0: My sister's mother-in-law said, well, have they had him checked for autism? Of course, my husband and I are offended by this. Yeah. How dare you say my child is autistic? What's wrong with you? We just spoil him. That's the problem. His big brother talks for him and gets things for him and we just let him run around. You know, We're just letting him be a baby. He's gonna grow out of this and we'll all be normal and fine. Well, that wasn't the case.
1: On today's show, we'll be discussing how to get your doctors to acknowledge what you already know. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name is Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guest today, I'd like to start by sharing our community's preamble. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So before we get to our guest, let's continue with a short breathing exercise and getting centered. So if you'll sit up straight with your spine erect and just let your eyes fall closed and take a deep breath in and just find that place inside where there's no worries, there's no There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your kids and there's nothing wrong with your life. And while you keep your eyes closed, let me start with a short prayer. Heavenly mother, father, friend, great spirit, divine consciousness, wondrous nature and saints of all religions. We come together as brothers and sisters on a similar quest to better understand ourselves, our divine calling, and how to be the best version of ourselves and parents for our children. We ask for guidance and the ability to accept life on life's terms. May each listener feel an inner sense of peace and calm in our hearts today. May we feel love and spread love. Om, peace, amen. And with your eyes still closed, lift your gaze to the space between your eyebrows and focus on that space as I read the following affirmation. With each breath, I inhale the energy of positive thoughts. I deserve to feel hopeful right now. I'm doing the best I can for my child. I love myself exactly as I am. I love my children exactly as they are. With each breath, I inhale the energy of positive thoughts. I deserve to feel hopeful right now. I'm doing the best I can for my child. I love myself exactly as I am. I love my children exactly as they are. And just with the next minute or two, of silent meditation with the eyes lifted to the center between the eyebrows. Just ponder some of those affirmations and allow yourself to recognize how some of your self talk may not be in line with what these affirmations encourage us to believe. And it's okay to think about negative self-talk because then we're recognizing it and we can't change anything that we don't recognize. And then slowly allow your eyes to open with gratitude for yourself, giving yourself a minute of peace and calm. And serenity, but I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, Jackie Draper. Draper. Missed the letter there. <laughs> Who's a single, 52-year-old mom with two amazing boys. She lives in Tampa Bay, Florida. Her oldest, Cole, is 22. He's at his in his senior year in college. He'll graduate this year with a degree in mechanical engineering. He's a scholar and an athlete. He's charming, kind, pragmatic, determined and character-driven. When you meet him, you'll immediately sense his old soul. He sees and understands things far beyond his years. He's everything you could ever want your son to be. Her youngest son's name is Jake. He's 20 years old, and he has a job at the local AMC movie theater. He's smart and gentle. He's kind, generous, and funny. He has been a writer and movie buff since the third grade. He makes friends very easily, and there's a lot more we're going to learn about Jackie and her family. But Jackie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you for being with us today. We're excited to get to know a little bit more about you and your journey and your family. Are either of your children on the spectrum?
0: Yes. My youngest son, Jake, he is on the spectrum. And he was diagnosed around his third birthday. We decided to start getting it checked out.
1: Did you start noticing something was different?
0: Well, when you have your first baby, you are like so excited for them to sit up and roll over and do all of the first things. And then when we had Jake, we were like, "Okay, this is our last child. So I wanted to savor the moment. So I was like, we're not pushing him into any of his firsts. I want to appreciate every minute of this. Jake was my older son had colic. So the first 20 weeks he cried constantly. Jake was this happy baby. I mean, he was like three weeks old and Cole's birthday party was at Chuck E. Cheese. And he made not a peep. He sat in his little car seat the whole time and we just had a great time. He was an angel. And we were just like, oh, well, you know, God has blessed us with this really good baby that doesn't do anything. He just sits there and smiles. And um, this was just like, great. You know, everybody loved it because I have this beautiful little cherub here that we carry around with us. Sat there quiet as can be until he became a toddler. And once he became a toddler, he was everywhere. All and nonverbal also. He had a big brother that did all the talking for him. So we were like, oh, Cole's talking for him. Big brother does it. Big brother does it. And, you know, we didn't encourage any kind of development at all, frankly, because we were enjoying the moment of him being a baby. And around two years old or so, little past two, still nonverbal. My sister's mother-in-law said, well, have they had him checked for autism? Of course, my husband and I are offended by this. Yes. How dare you say my child is autistic? What What's wrong with you? We just spoil him. That's the problem. His big brother talks for him and gets things for him. And we just let him run around. You know, we're just letting him be a baby. He's going to grow out of this and we'll all be normal and fine. Well, that wasn't the case. So after when it was almost his third birthday, I decided our relation, my marriage was a little stressed at that point, and uh, had some things going on. And I thought, you know, let's just take him to a speech therapist, at least. I mean, he's about to turn three, you know, he really should be talking. Oddly enough, the potty training at three was fine. He really didn't have a lot of problems. So we were like, oh, okay, but he's just not talking. So then the speech therapist asked if she could give him some, we didn't tell her that people said he was autistic. We didn't want to give her any ideas. We just said, you know, he's not talking. So what do you think's going on? She taught us some sign language and we worked with that for a little while. And then she said, can I do some screenings for autism? So she did some stuff. And then she said, I really think you need to go to a pediatric neurologist. So that was when we got our diagnosis. When he was three years old, my marriage was rocky and my son was diagnosed with autism. Prior to that, him, when he would run around and play, my own mother would come over and the kids would be playing and she would tell me, and the best compliment you could ever have in your life is your mother telling you that you're a good parent. So my mom would sit there and say, ah, your patience is amazing. I I don't know how you do it. I could not do this. I could not do what you do with him. And I'm like, I didn't even notice I had patience. To me, his behavior was because I was allowing it, that if Mm. any moment I told him to stop, I assumed he would stop, right? And once I realized everything, suddenly my patience was a lot thinner. All of a sudden, now I'm in a panic mode. Now we have to fix him. It wasn't anything I did. Now, Now it's not me allowing this behavior. This is his behavior. So there was a period there that I was really in a bad place that summer. So he was diagnosed, I don't know, in like the spring. And I uh, I had to even take some mental health time off of work to be with my family, to be with my mm-hmm. kids. Because I just felt like I couldn't send him to a babysitter anymore. There's, my older sister was babysitting him. So it's not like he was at a daycare or anything. But she had both of the kids. And I was just like, I just wanted to... Be around them all the time. I didn't want to. I couldn't go to work. I didn't. I took the summer off. My brother-in-law called it the summer of Jackie, and mm-hmm. um, so I just engrossed myself in my children. I just was with them all the time until. And I went back to work. Obviously, I had to. But when I went back to work, I worked nights. My husband worked days. I talked to my company. I worked for a large company, so I was. They were. I was very fortunate that they were able to work with my schedule. I had to stepped down to a lower position but I was able to work I went to work at 5 p.m got home at one o'clock in the morning and then got up at five or six with the kids you know it was just this life that I had to have for myself at that point it was just me and them and I didn't have a lot of friends I didn't do anything I just kind of cocooned myself in the house I just went to work and came home went to work and came home. It's kind of even blurry when I look back on it at this time.
1: Um, Well, that's kind of good to know that it's blurry because there's some people that are kind of in the trenches, so to speak, who can't imagine ever not. It's so real and big and alive. Let me ask you, from the time that your sister's (laughs) mother-in-law made that comment to the time that you said, let's go see the speech therapist, how far
0: Probably a couple of months. months, It made me start paying attention is what it did. So I thought, you know, something might be off here. Let's check it out.
1: When the speech therapist said, I think you should go for a diagnosis. Were you more prepared or were you just as offended as you were when?
0: I was not offended at all. I was petrified. I remember feeling just overwhelmed with fear, mostly fear. And that's why I just wanted to be the only person to take care of him. I didn't want anyone else taking care of him. I was very easily offended by my child. In fact, even I had to go to the doctor, an adult doctor's office, and it was the middle of the day. And so it was not very many people in the waiting room. And Jake... Is running around, but he wasn't bothering anyone. And there was an older man that was old enough that he probably was in his 80s. His daughter had to bring him. And he's talking to himself, going, Oh, these kids these days, these mothers let them do whatever they want. And I said, And I'm not a person who I don't confront people, strangers. I would be more confront somebody I know than I would a stranger for sure. And I said, He has autism. What's your excuse? The daughter was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But it's just like, come on, you know, shouldn't judge people. And I know it happens all the time and you just see your baby there, you know? Eventually when I, I, I did lose my patience in the beginning, but once I did go, once I was off work and I engrossed myself in my children, my patience came back once. I think what it was is the denial in the beginning and the fear of the unknown and then once i realized that he's not any different than he was before they said those words he's the same child and i actually have a brother that is special needs and he was adopted and he had silent seizures and mm-hmm. he had them for many years before they were detected my father didn't my father my stepmother is who he lives with, but he was, I think, seven or so. So they didn't see in the beginning the developmental and my father, he's a very regimented person. He was a drill sergeant during Vietnam and a football coach in the seventies and eighties. So he's, yeah, I'm kind of like that too. Very regimented person. So Whenever my dad's like, you have to, you got it early on. You have to get in there. You have to work with them, and you have to be on top of it. You cannot give him these excuses anymore because before I'm just letting him go crazy and giving him these excuses. Well, we can't do that anymore. That program is not going to work because the more which our generation tends to baby our children, the more he's babied and the more he's allowed and given so much rope to run off with the Harder it is going to be to reel him in. So I became extremely regimented with him to the point that, you know, when he got, he became verbal and he was, he has a brother that's two years older than him. And, you know, he's like about five years old and Cole's seven and they're fighting. And, you know, Jake would say, mommy, tell Cole to stop being mean to me. He's being mean to me. I'd say, no, you're going to have to spend your entire life dealing with assholes You might as well figure it out now where ordinarily I would have said that, but I felt like he needs to learn how to work it out because the world is filled with assholes. And I got to tell you, we've experienced a lot of assholes. We have, and I'm sure every parent listening to this has experienced from other adults, other kids, parents. I mean, even your own family members get stressed out because it's not their kid. And, you know, they're like, they get stressed out.
1: Yes. So you mentioned something about fixing your child. Is that still the same? Do you still think about your child and their interests in the same way?
0: I don't think about fixing him at all. No. I love that he is his own person. He's an amazing, wonderful person. Everyone who meets him just raves about how wonderful he is. What a great person he is. And he's extremely creative. And He's been writing, he has been writing stories since third grade, you know, his mind is just amazing. So my dad was a biology major in college. So he knows a little bit about people, but he doesn't know a lot about it. You know, he's just a biology major, but so I've done, we've both done some research on the mind and how it works. And, you know, his mind is unique and your brain is very complicated. There are things like how he was potty trained. He was easy to potty trained. That's like unheard of. So my plan was we're going to figure out how his brain works and accept the things that we can't change. But the things that we can, we're going to teach him those things. And he wanted to get a driver's license. He's 20 now. He has his learner's permit. He's never gotten behind the wheel ever, but he does have his learner's permit. I'm too scared. I was like, your dad's going to have to teach you if that ever happens. But I wouldn't even let him get the learner's permit until he could ride in the front seat and not get frustrated with the other cars around us. Mm -hmm. You know, Because he would be, you know, we all get road rage, but his, their attention is, and they're like, the light turns green. And if you don't hit it instantly, you know, he, I'm like, it's okay. I know, honey, you can't step on the gas that fast. I know it's green, you know, so he's frustrated with other people and other cars not doing what he thinks they should be doing in a timely manner. And I'm like, until you cannot be frustrated behind the wheel, then you cannot get a learner's permit. Mm. So he finally was able to get one when he was 18 and he's 20 and still hasn't driven anywhere, but he does have it. So we can teach him eventually. And I think, eventually one day he could learn. And I tease his brother that, you know, I'm like, Jake will be a better driver than you because he pays more attention.
1: (laughs) That's funny. Is there anything that you believe to be true that most parents disagree with?
0: Well, I believe to be true that you cannot baby them. You cannot give them allowances and excuses for a lot of behavior. You know, your own child, For instance, when Jake, the first medication that they put Jake on was Adderall. And this, my child is, like I said, he is like a cherub. He is the sweetest, kindest, loving. I say he's loving. He still to this day doesn't kiss. Like, you know, you kiss your babies and you kiss your kids. If I would say, give mommy a kiss, he would give me the top of his head like this. (laughs) Still to this day, he doesn't. He still gives you the top of his head. Doesn't kiss. But that's okay. That's what he does. It's fine. This Adderall, the very first day, he's sitting in my lap and just fist going, hitting me, frustrated. Mm. And I'm like, this isn't my kid. This medication, we're not doing this. So I called the doctor's office and I said, you know, we're not going to take this medication anymore. So the doctor calls me back and he says, you have to keep it for the whole weekend. You need to do it for at least three or four days. Blah, 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 blah. I said, no, I'm not giving him another pill. We're not doing this. I know my child. You can either give him some other medication or we just don't take medication. I'm not a medication person as it is. So I'm fine with no medication. And so we did change it to the Focalin or whatever it was before Focalin, after Ritalin, and then whatever they named that, the strand that is Ritalin, they switched him to. And he was very mellow on that. Hmm. He didn't like it when he got older because he said it made him feel like a zombie.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So he's three years old. He gets a diagnosis. The, your marriage is on the rocks. Is it over? Is it, are you split at this point or do you? No.
0: no, we did not split. I, I stayed for another five years because now I, I can't, I mean, I might have split before, but I'm not splitting now. I have a child that's been diagnosed. They first said it was, PDD and then they changed it to Asperger's. Well for a little while they would just they were saying he's on the spectrum, he's on the spectrum. I guess the younger they are they can't really tell where they're at on the spectrum. But by the time he was 7, I think is when they decided that it was Asperger's.
1: So there were some of the low points that you talked about in your bio. Did those happen during those years as well? The, I mean- the
0: summer of Jackie was one of the darkest times of my life. I don't believe in medication. I had to go on antidepressants and I just felt like a zombie myself. Like I'm living my life in a going through the motions. I had no friends, My only my immediate family and my husband and my kids that was it i just engulfed myself in these the uh, the four of us basically and it's a blur now and i think maybe part of it because i didn't want to think about that but there came a time when my doctor retired and i didn't have a way to refill my prescription until i found a new doctor so i woke up one day and i'm unmedicated and i felt a little clearer I felt like I could think more clearly. It was that specific day. I woke up one day, thinking a little clearer. I decided that uh, this isn't the life that I want. I don't. Th- I don't want to feel like a zombie. I don't want to feel like I'm in a dark place. I. This. I don't. I can't do this. I'm in a marriage. I'm not happy in. I have these kids that need me. They need me to be a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent right now. I'm just going through the motions. They, this, isn't, this isn't acceptable. This isn't the life I want. And it's very easy when you have this child that you are throwing yourself into to forget about yourself. But mm-hmm. the honest to God's truth is your child is not going to do well if you are not doing well. Just like on the airplane when they say, put your oxygen on so you can help other people. I'm no good of a parent if I'm not 100%. Agreed. And then that's uh, I used to be a runner. And then I started running that very day. And nothing like endorphins to clear your brain.
1: So helpful. I, that I, year,
0: I, my dad and I uh, ran uh, the local marathon, the Gasparilla marathon that we have here. No, I did the half, not the whole marathon. <laughs> but but yeah, so that really helped me. Not taking medication, which I know people need medication. I'm not saying that everyone should not take a medication. I'm just saying that sometimes your depression is situational and not you have a chemical imbalance. And these type of overwhelming life things going on can put you in a situation where you need some temporary help. Yeah. But I cleared my mind through running, through exercise, and it changed my world. Exercise, eating healthy, and clean eating and exercise, honest to God, that's what changed my life. Now, I still, there are moments that Things go wrong, and and it's a struggle. But for the most part, now I have the tools to handle it.
1: But awesome. at that time,
0: I just went down.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you, you know, what do you do to care for yourself? I've actually had a similar experience with running and nutrition mm-hmm. and medication. And for the listeners in Naked Parent Nation, this show is in no way is suggesting that you take what we talk about here and make adjustments to what your doctor is supposed to work with you on. That's for sure. My experience has been that those things provided tremendous help for me, tremendous lift in my life and my ability to be a parent. It was very uh, contingent upon me maintaining that regimen. Right. I've had patterns where like I've fallen out of it for whatever reason and I go back into the dumps and I can't see my way out, even though I know what I had done to get out before, but I'm depressed. And so running sounds like the worst thing in the world. Right. It's like, that'd be a punishment exactly. to go running. Have you ever varied in and out of?
0: Oh, yes, definitely. And just exactly as you said, whenever I am too much sugar, that really puts me over the edge. I'm a dessert oh. person. So when I get on a sugar kick, it... I think the chemicals and sugar really mess you up. Sugar messes me up for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a baker,
0: yeah. so that's a problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. We'll give sugar to a bunch of kids and watch them. They, you know, it's,
0: exactly. If,
1: if that's not a drug, I don't know what is. <laughs> Are there any products or services that you used for you yourself or your kids that you that like you loved and couldn't live without that you would share with other listeners?
0: When my kids were growing up, I didn't. You, we didn't utilize any programs. I Today, I actually work with an organization called K2 Escape. And they're, they're in Brandon, which is a suburb of Tampa. And they work with children and adults with special needs. They have a center where they, the center that I work with is adults. But they go and they work on the computer. And they, it's Monday through Friday. It's like from... 8am to 2pm or something like that. It's kind of like them having a job to go to or a school to go to. And there are a lot of benefits that the state provides that will help pay for those programs where they don't come out of your pocket. It comes directly from the state. And it's a lovely organization. I love them and I work with them and I got introduced to them because my best friend, her niece is special needs and she's 29 years old and she is this absolutely lovely, lovely young lady and she has, it was in need of a weekend caregiver. And I was like, oh, I'll do it. That sounds like fun to me. <laughs> I get to be a mom again, you know? So um, I contacted the center, the uh, the K2 Escape, and they showed me how to become certified with the state and do all the level two background checks and stuff like that. And so I work with her on the weekends and we have a wonderful time and we just go all over the place and she has a boyfriend. Their anniversary is coming up so I'm taking them to a fall festival um, this month and we have a lot of fun. We go out to lunch or we go get our nails done or we do all kinds of fun things together and I get to be a mom to a girl. I don't have a girl so I get to be a mom to a girl and she's like a member of my family. She really is. She's lovely. But it's a wonderful organization, so I'm sure they have organizations like that in other cities, but this one is called K2 Escape, so.
1: Sounds great. I'm glad for her. I know how important Mm -hmm. it is for the people that are in my kids' lives. I mean, they're they're Mm -hmm. so special and important to our family and my kids' development, so I'm glad she has you.
0: This young lady does um, Special Olympics also. And so I take her to all of her special Olympic stuff and she, um, she's very, very, very good at bowling and swimming. So she has made the state team for bowling and swimming here in the state of Florida. Cool. They do all kinds of fun things. There's things that like, she wants to do Girl Scouts and I told her, you know, well, we need to look into that because I don't, she's 29. I, you know, I don't want to put her in Girl Scouts with 12 year olds, you know? I found out they do have Girl Scouts for people with special needs and adults with special needs because, you know, mentally I call her when she goes over to she tells me about her stuff going on at K2 and during the week and stuff. And I'm like, it It reminds me of middle school because they're adults, but their interactions with each other are very sweet and innocent and they're best friends with the people. And they do a lot of because um, a lot of them can't they can't spell or read So they communicate with each other on their phones through video chatting, you know, and I can hear her talking to her friend and she, I'm just like, it's, it's like middle school. It's so cute. It's so cute to watch and listen to.
1: Is it easier kind of like the second time around? Is it easier than when you were raising?
0: It is definitely easier. She's an adult. So she's 29. So it's easier to where by the time a person is 29, you know, their developmental level. Where Jake, the stress for me was, am I challenging him enough? Am I letting things go that I shouldn't let go? He just don't know what he can do and what he can't do. Am I pushing too hard and this is an area that he can't do?
1: How do we know? So a parent who's wondering if they're pushing their kid hard enough, my my, um, she's eight, she's not potty trained. But mm. I mean, my 13-year-old's not potty trained either. Right. So... But some people would say, well, you're not pushing them hard enough. How do do you know when they're capable and when they're not?
0: Well, the brain is complicated. I mean, there could be damage to that little tiny part that controls what they need to learn there. Just like, you know, my kid kid couldn't speak, but he could take his pants off and go tinkle in the toilet. You know, it was like, why? We, We can't. I don't. I mean, Unless you go to Dr. Amen and have your brain scanned and he tells you what's wrong with it, you know, but most people don't have the money to get their brain scanned. I wish I did.
1: Well, I got my kid's brain scanned and I don't, I don't know if they can tell you as much as we well, would Well, there's
0: different types of scanning,
1: you know, that'll tell I, you. I, I agree. Yeah. I guess the point I was trying to make is I feel like as parents, we put too much pressure on ourselves. Yes to look for what's could be working or what's not working. You know, there's just so many okay. angles and variations. And sometimes I decide I live in this place where I believe that the world's designed to succeed and that everything, just as our preamble says, is working in perfect order. And therefore, all these things that I deem bad or not to level or whatever okay. are working perfectly just as they are as well.
0: Yes, I agree with you. However, what of these challenges are here to teach us right? as well? I love that you meditate. That is, in my opinion, extremely important. It's very important for my life to be functional. And I have to, when I'm in the throes of it, a lot of times I'm just an autopilot, just going. So I have to just sit and be calm. And it took me years to learn to meditate. When after I left my husband and I had these kids and I'm on my own and I'm working 50 hours a week and trying to raise these boys and poor Cole's only two years older than Jake and he's having to making dinner and he's like the cable's out. He's in the fifth grade. And I said, well, you're going to have to call Frontier and troubleshoot. And he's like, what? And I go, yeah, I'm busy. I'm making dinner. You got to have the call." You're the man of the house now. So my fifth grader had a call, you know, which in some ways benefits his life that he had to grow up a little faster and learn things differently. And being and I would always tell him that, you know, this being the big brother of a special needs person is going to teach you compassion and understanding that other children will never learn. They'll spend their Mm -hmm. whole life not understanding compassion and calmness the way you will, because you have to be patient with your brother.
1: I agree. And my kids have more empathy and compassion at 12 mm-hmm. and 13 years old than I had at 30. And, you know, and if I go to one family member, they say, you need to let these kids be kids and not make them so responsible. And you go to somebody else and they say, well, wow, look how it well he have evolved. And I guess my point here is, is to, for parents that are out there, Naked Parent Nation, that are questioning everything they're doing and that are feeling stressed out, mm-hmm. to just sit back and take a deep breath and just know that you're doing the best you can and make the next best decision you can for you and your kids. That's right. What I, say.
0: what I also would recommend is that in your meditation, if you believe in God or just the universe, when you're just in the calm state, just ask the universe to help you, to help you show you where you need help, what's failing, what needs to be worked on and what is good. And then sit down with a piece of paper and write down all the things that are your child is doing good. What What are they good at? And that for us, I'm an artist, I'm creative. And their dad is, he's a numbers person. He's not An artist, he's not creative at all. And I got my older son is a numbers person, he's an engineer, and Jake and I are artists. So I can connect with him on that level. So we would have him paint things, and then I take his little painting and had it blown up to poster size at uh, FedEx and framed it and hung it on the wall. And when people would come over, he would show them that artwork on the wall that I did that, you know. And so I think it's important to find what they're good at and just push it and push it and push it. And what you believe about yourself, it will happen. If you believe that you are stupid, then you will behave stupidly. And Jake, he gets a little caught up in not, because I always kept him in a traditional school and fought to keep him in as traditional of classes as possible. In elementary school, that's easy. I know that once they start changing classes and stuff, they have to be with the kids in their level. But I will like, then you need to put them in the lowest class of the regular kids. I don't want them in a special needs class. And I was all over the school constantly. That's another thing. You have to be all over the school because they have 30 kids. They don't, even though they like your kid, they still need you in their ear telling them, no, 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 we're not doing this. So when we transitioned, I told Jake, I've always told him, you're smart. You are so smart. You are so smart. You are so smart. You know, look at the Rain Man. See how smart Rain Man is? You are so smart. And because he knows he was diagnosed with autism and he wears it proud. So I constantly told him that. So from fifth grade to sixth grade to middle school, the elementary school people, they've known him his entire life. And they have know me and we're all over it. But the middle school people don't know us. So they take the placement tests. Well, Jake gets, he has an IEP, he gets extra time. Jake does very well on tests. And I think part of that is me constantly telling him how smart he is. And I would tell him, you're just not good at homework because of the medication, because when you're coming off that medication at five o'clock. So I would always tell the teachers, listen, I'm a single parent. I'm not going to sit there with him and make him do this homework. So we're not doing that at our house. I can't, I don't have time for that. I work 12 hours. Sometimes I can't come home and make dinner and do homework with Jake, you know, Cole's over here doing real homework. I got to work on that. So they needed to know that I wasn't doing where I'm not playing that game in elementary school. So you need to give him homework that he can do. And I even would say, sorry, mommy's an artist. Call daddy. He'll help you. (laughs) That's <laughs> mommy doesn't do math well. Sorry. <laughs> they think I mommy can it.
1: <laughs> I appreciate um, the authenticity of you sharing your journey yeah. up with your kids. I think a lot of the listeners and myself can relate to your journey. Since my five kids are going to roll through the door sometime soon, and and I don't want to mess up the show, I, I'd love to know, kind of in closing. From going through the journey to the point that you're at today, what do you say to the parent who just got the diagnosis and their world just got flipped upside down and everything they thought was supposed to be their life and their family just disappeared? What do you say to them having gone through some of those periods?
0: I say, take your moment to grieve because you are literally grieving the life that you pictured for you. And that is legit. You're allowed to grieve that life, but you cannot stay in that moment. You have to let it go. And that is not the life that you were given. And you have to ask the universe or God or whoever you believe in, whoever your higher power is, what do you want me? What is my job now? How can I best raise this child and make him or her a Positive, contributing person to society. How can I teach them to be a good person to loving? And how can I get something out of this for me too? You have to literally surrender everything you imagined your life to be. I literally had to just let it all go and love the life I have because I I don't get that life. I don't get that picture perfect life that I thought I was gonna have. You know that you know I. I got married at 29, had my first baby at 31. You know, I did all the steps exactly right. Why do I, you know, you can sit there and say, why me? Why did I get stuck like this? Why do I have to do this? I'm I'm a good person. You know, I don't deserve this. Well, guess what? Nobody gets what they deserve. Bad people don't get what they deserve and good people don't get what they deserve. That's just life. You have to just go through and figure out what your journey is on it, what you need to learn from it and how you can get the most out of it.
1: I love that. You know, I think it's a perfect way to close this conversation in like getting quiet and asking for some of these questions. I think it gets, we get so busy in life. I get so busy in life, I forget to ask and then listen for the answers. And then to take, once you're past that grieving period, you also mentioned this is, Change those negative thoughts to positive thoughts because you are going to get what you think about that self-talk will play out in your life. And I know how it's almost seems impossible when suffering from depression to like, how do I self-talk when my kids and this and my life and finances and I don't have gas to take the kids to school and, you know, my ex is loaded doing drugs up on the, you know, whatever. Right. And figure out a way to change that self-talk. So I think those two suggestions for myself and for Naked Parent Nation are wonderful. I want to thank you for being on the show today.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Sharing your heart. And I'd love to touch base down the road and find out if someone's driving who has a learner's permit. (laughs) And thank you. and, and, And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank
0: you. You too. Thanks. Okay.
1: Bye. Bye.